thank you for being here. Um, and our desire is that you'll make Downey First Christian Church your church home, but also that you'll make Jesus the Lord of your life if you haven't yet. Also a reminder for those of us who come to church every Sunday, uh, we are Christ ambassadors. And so invite people to church, invite your friends, invite your family members uh, to join us here because if uh, this service is helpful to you, why not invite a friend to be a part of this as well? And also um, if you're here for the very first time, uh, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. One of the problems that I have when church is over is I want to meet you, but if you're here for the first time, you usually leave right away. And so I would like to have the opportunity to have just a 30-minute, 30-minute, 30-second, don't worry, 30-second conversation with you where I can just introduce myself. You're like, I'm, I'm not coming back ever. That's what's going to happen. Um, just a 30-second conversation with you. I want to introduce myself and see if there's anything that we can do for you. And so at the end of service, after I'm preaching, I'm going to go out that door and to the right, there's a guest lounge, which you'll find right away. Uh, it's a little living room area, and I just want to meet you. So uh, if you can go over there, I'll meet you there. Uh, and for those, if you brought someone, just go with them and just join them so we can have just a very short 30-minute conversation. Okay. So anyway... Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, we just read it, but I just want to go through that scripture one more time. I love the fact that we're reading scripture uh, during the worship uh, set because that kind of allows for us to marinate a little bit in what we are going to be talking about today. So if you have your Bibles, please go to Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to read from verse 1 all the way through verse 10. If you don't have a Bible, we have the, the uh, sky Bible right on top of my head. So here's, here's how, how it goes. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 says this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins uh, in which you used to live in when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying uh, our flesh and following the desire, our, its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God, who raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now that's a mouthful. There's a lot in there. There's a lot in there. So we're going to talk about that uh, here uh, during this message uh, today. And so we're on a series, a whole series on the gospel. We're calling it the gospel series. And for some of you, when you hear the gospel, you're like, I've been in church for a while. I know what the gospel is all about. That's like, that's like basic, you know, uh, 101 sort of Christianity stuff. Because I actually thought that that's what it was. To me, the gospel was you hear the gospel one time. You respond to the gospel one time, you get baptized, you mark a card, you do the sinner's prayer, and then now you have to move on to deeper things because we already passed the gospel, and now we got to move on to things that are more important. 
the whole idea of this sermon series is, is, is the understanding that the gospel is not just something that we learn and then we have to move on to other things. That every single thing, like the whole thing that we believe, like Luther said, he says, um, uh, the cross alone is our theology. So everything that we do, all the scriptures that we read, the whole reason why we're here revolves around one single event, which is the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so we have to understand that, that the gospel isn't just one of the things that we believe. The gospel is the one thing that we believe from which everything else flows out of. And so we've been talking about different aspects of the gospel. And we've been talking about the fact that the Bible is actually a united story that leads to Christ. Everything in the scripture leads to Christ. And we've been talking about the definition of the gospel. The definition of the gospel. Do you remember how we define the gospel? Don't raise your hand. You don't have to. I'm not going to call on anybody. This is not a, we're not in school here. But I just want to remind you, like, if anyone asks you, what's the gospel? And you want, like, a one-liner of what the gospel is? The gospel is this. The gospel is good news. Good news. That's literally what the word gospel means. But it's not just any good news. The gospel is good news concerning Christ as the only way to salvation. That's the gospel. So, we were talking about different stories and different situations in the Bible that we're talking about this whole idea. And the first week we talked about Mary and Martha. We talked about is it a ladder or is it a cross? Then we talked about the rich young ruler. Who then can be saved? If this guy who's a good guy can't be saved, then who can be saved, right? Uh, then we talked about last week, we talked about the woman caught in adultery. And the question was, uh, who do you think you are? Like, yeah, what qualifies you to throw the first stone? Remember that? So we're talking about identity. Like, who does God say that we are? And today, I want to talk about a concept called cheap grace. Have you ever heard of that? That's this, that's this cheap grace. Hmm? We're going to talk about that here today. Um, but I want to set it up like this. Have you ever had neck pain? Have you ever had back pain? Have you ever had shoulder pain? Lower back? You know, knee it's interesting, right, because these different pains in your body can be caused by different reasons, but there's, there's one thing that's really interesting that sometimes just by adjusting something in your feet, like putting in like a, like, like a good pair of shoes, wearing a good pair of shoes, or uh, putting an insert that will help you actually will relieve the rest of your body, like your back, and it'll, it'll solve, not always, but sometimes that the, the problem will re be resolved in your feet, which is really interesting. And so I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about grace. And I think that when we think about grace, um, when we understand properly what grace is, it can, it can sort of uh, allow for us to, to walk properly. And it sort of like aligns everything else that we believe when we adjust this basic thing, this foundational thing, which is a proper understanding of what grace is. So I want to talk about that a little bit today. And we're going we're gonna to unpack this, uh, this portion of scripture that we were talking about here earlier. Um, so just kind of a backstory of um, Ephesians. You may read the book of Ephesians. You're like, okay, this is just a letter to somebody. You know, what is it that we're, that we're talking about? If you go to Acts chapter 19, we're not going to go there, but you will see uh, the ministry that, that, that Paul had in Ephesus. And the things that Paul did in Ephesus were absolutely astonishing. They were absolutely amazing. He did miracles. Like he would, he would leave his handkerchief and people would touch the handkerchief and they would get healed. Um, he would, uh, the, there was a lot of witchcraft and they started just burning their, their witchcraft books. So it was a, arguably Paul was doing things that were similar or just as amazing as Jesus himself did in Ephesus. 
So he writes this letter about 20 years later. He's an older man, and he's, and he's, um, he's writing to this, uh, to this uh, group of believers there, and he, d- he divides the whole, the whole book in two parts. Part number one is their identity in Christ. He's just telling them who they are. And then the second part of the letter, um, he's talking about the transformation that happens as a result of this new identity in Christ. And so he starts this part that we just read by, by telling them who they, that, who they are, like who they used to be. Like he talks to them about their former condition. Like, like guys, you guys were so bad before. Like so bad. He's, tra- he's, tra- he's trying to drive this point home. Now, why, why is he trying to explain to them how bad they used to be? Like, you guys used to be so bad. He's telling them that. Why is he doing that? Um, have you ever felt like someone's being ungrateful for something? Or they're not, they're not really valuing something properly? Like, here's a, a few things that I really value. I value AC. I value that so much. I value a car that will start on the first try. Like, I value that. I value walking my dog and not feeling like I could be mud when I do that. And the reason why I value that is because I grew up in, in a third world country in the 80s where we had no AC, where you could very likely be mugged if you walked your dog at night alone. And I don't remember if we ever had a car. Well, yeah, probably like afterwards, but like we ever had a car that would actually start on the first try. And so I value these things. They're so cool to me, you know. Um, I, we value things. Like, for example, you guys remember when we were outside? You know, you value being indoors, right? When we were during the, during the pandemic, value, you know, eat, what, what are some things that you guys value? Like, you, as opposed to, like, when we were in the pandemic, and now we're kind of out of it, you know, right? How, what are some things that you guys value now? Breathing, being able to breathe, right? Not have to smell your own breath all day. Yeah. What else? Good health. Good health. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. Movie theaters. Movie theaters. That's a good one. That's a good one. I remember the first time we went out when it was when we were able to go out to eat after the pandemic. It was like, man, this is so cool. And the reason why we thought it was so cool was because of the contrast. Like, we now understood the contrast between the two things. You see, contrast highlights value. And what Paul is doing here in this letter, he's he's creating this contrast because he wants them to actually value grace. But you can't really value grace if you don't understand what, what you've been rescued from. And so Paul is trying to drive this point home in verses one through three, saying, guys, you were dead. You were absolutely dead in what? In your transgressions, in your sins, in the ways of the world, in gratifying the flesh. And verse 5 says, and you were made alive. You were made alive. So, and we get this wrong sometimes. Verse 5, we get this wrong sometimes. Like we were made alive. Because I, I used to believe that, that I decided one day I'm just going to follow Jesus. Like I did ABC, and then now I made myself alive as a result of this thing that I myself, without any help, made the decision to do. I decided it, right? For me, you know, some of you guys know my story. My parents know my story like they have a close-up. They can see the pixels of my story. Um, I am not here now because I held on to Jesus. I am here now because in my darkest moment, 
Jesus wouldn't let go of me. That's just the reality. And the same is true for you, by the way. Um, you didn't make yourself alive. Something outside of yourself rose you from the dead, brought you back from the dead. I don't know if anyone here has ever seen a resurrection. I personally have not. But my question, if I saw somebody physically raised from the dead, first of all, I'd freak out. Um, I would, my question would be like, what happened here? What happened here? And so the same is spiritually. Like, what happened spiritually that made you alive? The text gives us the answer. First of all, and this is very important, it was not us. The text says we were made alive. Now, why did this happen? Verse 4, because of what? Our great behavior and obedience? Because we were being good people and God was impressed? Uh, because our good performance for God? Wrong. The reason why we were made alive was because of his great love for us. We weren't brought, brought back from the dead because we loved God. We were brought back from the dead because God loved us. So the question here now is what exactly happened? Well, we were made alive with Christ. Now what does that mean? In a way that when Jesus rose from the dead, he rose us from the dead as well. Um, and here's what I, what I grew up believing. Now, I, I keep saying that. Here's what I grew up believing. Here's what I grew up, and you, know, you guys are thinking my parents were at fault for that. It's not. We, were all, we, we all have better theology now, okay? We're all growing together. Um, here's what I grew up believing, that, that you would become alive in direct proportion to your personal improvement, to your being better, to you trying harder, to you being uh, obedient, like there's like God was making you alive in direct proportion to what you gave him, he would give you. My wife and I had someone come up to us one day, uh, this, was a, this was some time ago, and they were talking about our lives and how God has blessed our lives and they're like, you know what, God has really blessed you guys. And he's blessed you guys because you guys have been faithful to God. And I thought about that and it made total sense. Like, yeah, we've been faithful to God, you know, we've done the right thing and all that kind of stuff. And the result of that was that God was now being faithful to us. And let me just give you a moment of honesty here. You probably won't be surprised, but let me give you a moment of honesty that I have not been the one who's been faithful to God. God has been the one who's been faithful to me. I'll tell you that right now. You see, 2 Timothy 2.13 says this, if we are faithless, what? God is faithless to us? When we are faithless, if we are, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. That's been the reality of my entire life. Now, that, so that's not what the verse is saying. The verse is saying, he made us alive in Christ when we were still dead. That's an important distinction. He doesn't say, first of all, he doesn't say you were pretty bad. He doesn't say you made some mistakes. He's not saying you, you said a couple of lies. You were taking a spiritual nap. You were spiritually under the weather. No, he's saying you were dead. Dead. It doesn't get much worse than dead, by the way. Paul puts it like this in Romans 5, 8, talking about sin, the same idea. He says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, that's an important distinction, Christ died for us. Ephesians 2, 5, we just read it. He made us alive in Christ when we were dead in transgression. So here's the thing. He, he, didn't, he didn't make us alive as soon as we cleaned up our act. 
He didn't make us alive as soon as we became better. He didn't make us alive as soon as we tried harder. He didn't make us alive when we gained some more points. He didn't make us alive when we were further up the ladder. He made us alive when we had no hope and we were dead. You understand? I mean, it's, it's what he, and, and he made us alive while we were dead. That's the point Paul's trying to make here. He didn't, he's not, God's not waiting for a new and improved version of you in order to save you or to, or to die for you or to actually make you alive while we were still dead. Um, I can't find a more final definitive representation of our former state than dead. That's what I, I said that earlier. What can a dead man do for himself? What could Lazarus do for himself? What could um, Eutychus do for himself? That's a deep track. You guys know that? Eutychus? So Eutychus was a guy who, so Paul was preaching. He was just preaching for hours. The Bible says that. And he preached so long that there's this guy sitting on a window. He falls out the window and dies. And then Paul goes and he raises him from the dead. That's a lay on him. What hope did Eutychus have? He didn't raise himself. Lazarus didn't raise himself. We didn't raise ourselves either. And so the point that Paul wants to make to the Ephesians is, is, the, is to diagnose the problem. That's what he's doing. That's what he's starting doing. He's diagnosing the problem and he's saying that there is no hope. He wants to give him the death blow, the same death blow that Jesus gave to the rich young ruler, the same one that he gave to the disciples, the same that he gave to the Pharisees, the same that he gave to the adulterous uh, woman, remember? He's doing the same thing to the church of Ephesus or the Christians in Ephesus. Final, this is definitive. There's no way out. You were dead. You know, some people believe that, that the gospel is meant to, to make bad people good people. It's not. It's, it's, it's making dead people alive. Jesus isn't in the, uh, the uh, behavior modification business. He's in the resurrection business. That's what Christ does. Um, he made us alive in Christ while we were still dead. And that was all of us, by the way. All of us. All of us. You may say, not me, I'm pretty good. No, I'm sorry. You too. You see, um, I heard a pastor once say, uh, one of my favorite pastors, I've mentioned him before, uh, Tolian Chavision, he has a church in Florida. And he's, he said this, it was so good. He said, most people believe that there are two, two types of people. They're bad people and they're good people, right? And he's like, yeah, there are actually two, two types of people, but it's not the two type that you believe. It's not bad people and good people. It's, it's bad people who know that they're bad and then bad people who think they're good. <laughs> so he's making that point here. He's dead. There's no hope. Case closed. And so he has to establish this so that they understand the contrast, Okay. Um, and then Jesus comes in, and he talks about Jesus, and he starts talking about grace. And then Jesus comes into the scene to save, to save. Now, why did Jesus do this? We said it before. Because of our great love for him, because we love him so much, because we're so devoted, because we're so committed. Wrong. Because of his great love for us. 1 John 4, 19 says the same thing. We love because he first loved us. He doesn't love us because we love him. We love him because he loved us. It's a response. Uh, the same pastor was talking about Tolian Chavijan. He has a book called One Way Love. And he talks about the whole idea that, 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 we, that we have zero to do with our transition from death to life. It's a one-way love. 
one way. We are only recipients. He did all the saving. He did all the rescuing. He did all the forgiving. He did all the resurrecting. He did it all, the whole thing. We're only recipients. And so this, this set, sets the stage for grace. Then he says, it is by grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved. And the following two verses just sums up the whole idea, eight and nine. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through, through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And so he's telling the church, you have been saved by grace. And we've talked about grace before, and I heard someone uh, explain it like this, what, what grace is, and he, he, he used an example that was really helpful. He says there's, there's three things. There's, there's justice, there's mercy, and there's grace. Justice, if, if you owe me $1,000, justice says you got to pay the $1,000, okay? Mercy says if, um, if you owe me $1,000, you know what? You don't have to pay anything. Don't worry. But grace says not only do you not have to pay me the $1,000, but here's an extra 1000 for your time. So grace goes far beyond. So that's, that's the idea of grace. And as it relates um, to this, you know, we're talking about our transition from death into life. It's an undeserved gift from God. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You can't work for it. You can't repay it. It is a one and done. Jesus did it for you. We are called to believe the good news. That's what faith is. And this is where we have trouble. And we have to go back to this every time. Because like, pastor, you don't understand. Nothing is free you can't tell me that this is free. How, how, I have zero to do in this little transaction, this interaction. Life is transactional, right? Jesus literally gives us everything for nothing. That's what grace is. But pastor, you know what? Just hold the phone. You've been laying, you've been, you've been laying on the grace pretty thick recently. I'm a little concerned. Isn't this too much? There has to be something. Some prayer, church attendance, good behavior, giving, good deeds, try hard. Verse 9 says, not by works. So that what? No one can boast. Like, hey, I did this. This is my little, 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 this is my little, you know, part that I played in this. Like, nope, zero. So that no one can boast. You may say, this is too much, pastor. This is too good to be true. I can't really wrap my mind around this, you know. I can't, this is, this is too much. Um, Richard uh, Feynman, Richard Feynman was a, uh, a Nobel Prize uh, winner in 1965 um, in physics. And so he was, he, he's a guy that studied, I don't know that much about him, but maybe you know more than I, probably know a lot more than I do. But I was, study, I was looking at this guy and he's, a, he's an expert um, in um, quantum, uh, quantum mechanics. And if you've ever studied quantum mechanics, like, you, you go crazy. You're going to go crazy. Because there's subatomic particles, and they're so small, and there's these subatomic particles called quarks, and they behave like they don't respect any laws of physics. Like, they're these quarks, and I'll give you a couple of examples. And I honestly can't explain it well. Um, but it's this whole idea of, of when you observe them, they behave in a certain way. When you don't observe them, they behave differently. There can be a cork here, and you can stimulate the cork here in California, and then there'll be another cork that is exactly the same in Texas, and when you stimulate this one, the other one gets stimulated at the same time. Okay, exactly. And so he says this, uh, Richard uh, Feynman says this, if you think you understand quantum mechanics, you don't understand quantum mechanics. Like you have to, like if your mind is not blown by saying, this, this just, this, what is this whole thing? Like you haven't understood it. And so I think the gospel is in a way similar to that as well. 
Because if you walk away after you've heard the gospel saying, yeah, that makes perfect sense, I would argue you haven't heard it. You haven't heard the gospel. How can it be possible that we have nothing to add? You may say, Pastor, I think you missed one. Seriously, like you should just read the scripture. There's literally one right here. It says it. He says it. And he says faith. He's talking about faith. Like faith is the thing that we have. Like we bring faith to the table. You may say, this is the faith that I bring. I bring my faith. And then as a result of my faith, then you give me resurrection from death to life. That may make sense. Um, You know... Verse 9 says, not by works, even the faith that is... See, here's the thing. This is, what, this is what you may think. Faith is what I bring to the table. Um, but Paul then clarifies. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. So what is he saying? He's saying even the faith required is not from you. <laughs> that belief is a gift from God. So that no one may boast. See, Jesus is the author and finisher of your faith. That's Hebrews 12, 2. He does the whole thing. It is finished. That's the gospel. So now what? Isn't that too easy, Pastor? Um, too much grace. You know, I, I used to believe that grace was something you had to like ration. It's like sugar, like too much sugar. Like, no, you got to stay away from that. You lay on the, go- the, the grace too too, too thick, you know, you're going to be spiritually unhealthy. There's got to be something here. And the logic was this, too much grace will make you spiritually unfit. You have to balance it with a little bit of guilt, a little bit of work, a little bit of responsibility. You got to feel a little bad. It can't all be grace. Um, because if it's all grace, then grace loses its value and becomes cheap grace. And cheap grace produces immature Christians. Um, I'm going to wrap up here. Immature Christians. Immature Christians. I used to hear this. One who received Jesus, but then don't do anything else. That's an immature Christian. And you may look at verse 10 and say, there it is right there. This is what I have to do to repay. Verse 10 says, we are created to do good works. There it is. You see, we have to work. We have to earn it. We have to deserve it. We have to pay Jesus back. And respectfully, I would tell you, just, just read what it says. Just read it. It doesn't say you're saved by your good works. It is. It says you were created for them, which is really different. Because it's not a question of salvation. It's a question of purpose. When Jesus died and rose from the dead, we rose with him and gained salvation through him. But he also paved a way for us to walk in. Not a way to salvation. He didn't say walk this, walk this path to salvation. No, no, no. Jesus walked that path for us. The whole thing. He paid the whole price. He walked the path of salvation for us. But then he created a path of good works that we were created to walk in. In that path of good works. It's not that we gain salvation through what we do. We gain purpose. We gain meaning. We were created for these good works. He, he, he prepared those in advance for us to, to walk in. I'm going to unpack that a little bit more next week. I, this, this, this series just keeps going. Like, I don't know if I'm ever going to end it. <laughs> You're like, Pastor, please, it's got to end sometime. Who knows? I just, I, I'm really enjoying this. So here's what I want to do now as we, um, 
as we kind of come to a close here, um, we've been having these moments of prayer toward the end of service. And I, I want to invite you to, to come forward. Um, if you need prayer for anything, if there's something about this message that kind of broke through something in your mind and your heart and you want God to just kind of visit you and, and kind of lock these ideas in um, for God to do what only he can do. Also, if you need healing,